Good morning, members. It is the 11th of October. Welcome to the morning meeting. Marcus, tell us about our local markets. Good morning, Chi-Chi. Our local market's doing rather well today. We're up 30 points last look. Henry will tell us. And the futures this morning were up 12. Wall Street was down 94. At one point, it was down 286, middle of the night. And I picked up my phone, full strategy portfolio, full ideas portfolio, and put it down in disgust. Anyway, this morning wasn't so bad, down 94. Our future's up 12. So actually all the strategy and ideas portfolio stocks, are, everything's up today, which I'm a little bit more relaxed. But none of the stuff overnight is good, it's got to be said. Most obvious thing was UK bond yields spiked 22 basis points. The Bank of England support package ran out and they're talking about putting another one in and trying to calm everyone down, but it backfired. So I've got a picture of the 10-year bond yield in the pre-market section day. You'll see it spiking again back to the same levels it was when the whole market was panicking about some sort of new financial crisis based on UK pension funds stuffing it up in the bond market. So worrying about that, plus you've probably seen there's this escalation of Russian aggression and Putin has ordered massive long-range strikes. We have JP Morgan as well talking about a recession by mid-next year. We have that CPI number on Thursday. I don't think anyone's going to do anything confidently until that's out of the way. And and then we have the results season to worry about. That's starting on Friday with four major US banks reporting results. We'll put a results diary in the newsletter before too long. Should have done that last week. But loads of results coming up. And the commentary about the results is that it's a risk rather than likely to be a positive. The average earnings growth in July was expected to be 11% this quarter. It's now back to 4%. Anyway, we'll see how these... I've read an article about how the banks can't possibly continue their profit growth from the last couple of quarters this quarter. So a bit of a risk on Friday as well with the banks reporting. And resources doing okay today. The iron ore price up a bit and the material sector is the best performing sector today. Uh, gold price not helped today because that US dollar index is up another 0.3%, which is again a big move. That's going back up again, which is not what we want to see. Metal price is mostly low. Oil price was down as well on recession fears and motor industry stocks. I don't know why it happened, but General Motors down 4%, Ford down 6.9%, and Rivian has recalled every one of its electric vehicles, poor thing, uh, but they were only down 7% or so. Any other observations on overnight, Henry? Only when we're talking about the banks, and of course we've got the US banks kicking off reporting season at the end of this week. I read an article on Bloomberg talking about the mass, or what's happening in the housing market, how it is absolutely dried up. Nobody's moving in the US. Nobody's being a forced seller either, which of course was one of the things during the GFC. But nobody's moving house in the US because they can't refinance. So if they do refinance, the mortgage rates have gone up such a huge amount that it is prohibited to actually move. So everyone's staying put, no one's selling. So there is very little activity there. And of course, US banks thrive on that sort of activity. So it could be that we're in for a little bit of a negative sentiment towards the US banks towards the end of this week. That's for sure. Volumes, I have to say today, are absolutely pathetic. It's 10 to 11 and we haven't even reached a billion dollars worth of trade on the ASX 200. Pretty measly. Of course, there was Columbus Day holiday in the US last night as well. Yeah, 
the bond market was shut in the US last night. And as I say, no one really is going to do anything too brave ahead of these CPI numbers. I've got a, now that we've got fully invested in strategy and in uh, ideas, I have a nasty feeling that this CPI number, the risk is on the downside. The forecast is for inflation to pick up again at the core level, so not peaking still. But of course, that leaves you a bit of room for if everyone's expecting the worst, then it's easier to have a good number. Anyway, we will see other things happening today. Uh, Telstra is up 1.3% today on its AGM. I haven't had time to have a look at that. Uh, we've got CBA CSL tomorrow. I'll have a look at Telstra in a minute and write it up. We have Bank of Queensland kicks off the bank sector results season tomorrow. It's the early reporter. The rest of them have got uh, results and dividends coming up in November. So uh, you've got a bit of a while, but this is traditionally the time that the banks rally into results. But until the market's trending up, the, the golden rule of stripping dividends is you do not make money unless the share price goes up at the same time. You've still got to get the stock right. You can't strip a dividend just in a sideways or falling market and make money. You need the share price to go up and they're not going up at the moment. So you wouldn't really be buying the banks for the dividends just yet. But the moment the market pivots, you'll find money pouring into them. But the pivot isn't here yet. Other things on the horizon, we've got RBA meeting November the 1st, which is Melbourne Cup Day. I will doubtless be at the races. Emma insists I go. Uh, I'm just over it after 30 years of wandering around uh, getting up to the cup. Yes. Anyway, I'll keep quiet. I just have to go and smile. And FOMC meetings, November the 2nd, December the 14th. Then the next one is February. Uh, we got some China CPI numbers on Friday, but I don't think anyone takes any notice of those. I'll write up a bank's results season calendar in the newsletter and the, as I say, the US reporting season calendar in the newsletter. So you've got the ex-dividend dates and dates. Nothing really going on on the dividends. They've all run out. Reese is ex-dividend today. Apologies to anyone who saw a challenger pref share with a 200% yield about to go ex-dividend on the table yesterday, we did correct it. But no, that was an error. And some some uh, people did email in saying, should I buy it? Well, uh, no. Um, uh, our bad. And that's about that at the moment. I was just going to say on Telstra, this is quite a significant AGM uh, for those that haven't been following Telstra, mainly because they are voting on the complete long-awaited and much-mooted restructure of the company. So that vote will take place today. That's the monetization of those infrastructure assets. So that is quite a significant moment for Telstra. So it's not just about the AGM. Also, there is Ordman Ellick, a little research piece out this morning, $4.60 price target on that one. But a significant moment in the life of Telstra today with that uh, separation vote later. Although, as you know, Henry, but just so people know, these votes are not as if they're not going to go through, in which case it's in the price. It is pivotal or a historic moment, but it's not a controversial moment for Telstra. As I say, you'll see the share price up. Thanks very much for that, Marcus. Henry, let's head over to you for your Henry's take. And you've got another energy stock in focus today. I have, Chi-Chi, and it's a tiny weeny one. So uh, it's not for the uh, the faint of heart, and it's more for the patient investor. But this goes back to uh, a guy called Tino Guglielmo, who is a the former CEO of Stuart Petroleum. Now, for those members with long memories, and I know that some of us have, Stuart Petroleum got knocked off by, um, I think it was Gina Reinhardt and a consortium. And uh, we saw Senex and lots of consolidation in the Cooper Basin. Tino's basically putting the band back 
back together and he is a very experienced veteran in the Cooper Basin. It's very, very tiny. It's a $10 million market cap, but it's um, an interesting little play and we could see some price appreciation there. Also just updated the new and improved AAA battery pack having created the battery pack back in January 2021 with six stocks. I've now created one with smaller stocks in the AAA as opposed to the AA. So that is good. So that's in the newsletter today. Also yesterday I added John's Ling Group. Now eagle-eyed members will have seen the big fall yesterday after the CEO sold 4 million shares. It did uh, reaffirm guidance as well, but the CEO sold 4 million shares so they could buy a house. And he's still got 20% of the company. And I don't think that's the end of the world, selling some shares to buy a house, especially as the house in question is in Denver for his family. And John's Ling are making a big, big push into the US following an acquisition. So I added a couple of percent to the small cap portfolio at $5.55 on that big fall yesterday afternoon. It was down all day. The stock's up 8% today. So we're already uh, over 10% up on that afternoon uh, position taking. So that's that's good news there for those that uh, followed the 3 p.m. update and just some housekeeping. I'm doing a, a mining conference tomorrow and I'm on a panel talking battery materials, which will be fun. So I've just been checking out my fellow panelists. They look far more intelligent and far more expert on battery <laughs> materials than I'll ever be. The bloke from the CSIRO looks formidable and they've got a guy from Cobalt Blue, which is a reinvigorating Broken Hill with a Cobalt project over there. Green Cobalt project as well. So that should be a bit of fun tomorrow. Well, that sounds interesting. Keep us posted. Worth saying there, Henry, on that director sale, when you get events in stock prices which are driven by share transactions, so it could be an institution selling out or someone ceasing to be a substantial shareholder, you have to understand for every trade on the stock exchange, there's a, an equal and opposite trade on the other side. Somebody's bought it. And to see a CEO uh, selling shares can often mean something thing. But when you get big moves like that, they almost always reverse. Liquidity issues do not last very long. And so when they affect a share price, it's almost always likely to equalize again, as Henry's uh, pointed out and jumped in. So uh, I think right thing to do, whether he's buying a house or not, even if he was just selling out, it will always equalize. Thank you very much for that, Henry and Marcus. Marcus, back to you for your strategy and ideas. Yes, I am absolutely snowed today. I'm on the ABC later. I've been on the ABC already, but so I haven't yet written the strategy, but it's coming. Uh, well, by the time you listen, this will be there. But there is a better feel today as the market goes up uh, 30 points, probably because we just sold off too much yesterday. But as I say, none of the vibes are good. And we have to wait for this US CPI number, then the uh, US third quarter results, another worry. So in the strategy portfolio, we're still long and slightly wrong, looking a little bit better today. And in the ideas portfolio, I've just had to go on stop loss watch because we're now forced really by trying not to look short term and fickle, but we're forced into taking the bet over the CPI number, which is not a position I really wanted to be in. And as I say in the strategy piece, as Henry would call it, it's suboptimal to be now betting on a CPI number with the market trending down rather than looking forward to a CPI number to confirm the uptrend, which is where I hoped we would be today. So
so uh, we got dragged in by last week's two-day rally now regretting it but and i've realized when you look at these things you know what lesson did i learn well what i've learned is i i have members are on the risk scale from low risk to uh, very active high risk traders who are also very vigilant who will cut out very quickly and i need to cater for the middle not the extreme and i think last week i wanted to show everybody the ideas if you were to buy the market and went and bought the market at the same time i probably should just put out the ideas and because the lesson is when the market is in a well-established trend it turns like a ocean liner rather than a speedboat and uh, we reacted to a bit of a speedboat turn so so that's fine we'll uh, take the risk it's not too bad we'll get a lesson in managing stop losses through the ideas portfolio and the strategy portfolio the etfs are low volatility and you never know we might be somewhere near the bottom even if the cpi numbers wrong we have come down a long way already and just going sideways would be good from here but yes wrong for the moment and hoping we don't get absolutely nailed on the cpi number and you can do do with that information what you will and some of you might obviously decide not to take the bet we're, we're sort of forced to take that there's also a technical section in today from Stuart, who does his scans on his what he calls his ITS system or ignition trading system, which is looking for and there aren't many stocks to buy at the moment with the market trending down. So he's got three stocks in the ASX 200 that are trending nicely up Santos, Tabcorp and Viva Energy and four outside the ASX 200 Emerald Resources, Propel Funeral. Got to watch these technical analysts. <laughs> they don't see the difference between Propel Funerals and BHP. So uh, liquidity issues, uh, watch out. But um, Propel yeah, thousand shares traded today. Yeah, so uh, just be careful because um, Stuart, <laughs> it's, Stuart is scanning 2,000 stocks here. So Cyril Resources and Yankol were the other two that are trending nicely higher. And I haven't yet put the charts in because I'm so snowed, but there'll be some charts at the bottom of that section shortly. Thank you very much for that, Marcus. Some strategy and ideas for the day. But let's move over to the question of the day. Have you ever saved someone's life or has someone saved your life? Marcus, I think you've got a couple of stories for us. You saved a couple of people's lives. Well, no Gigi, I don't really have a story of my own, but I was always very taken by a scene in a film, which I think was Clear and Present Danger with Harrison Ford. And right at the beginning of the film, he is standing on the side of a road and he steps off, he's thinking and he's looking down, he's concerned and he steps off the road and someone puts their finger in the back of his collar, which is a really good leverage point mm -hmm. and just pulls him slightly and he, he doesn't step off and a bus goes straight past oh, wow. and so someone has uh, saved his life and he looks around he can't work out who did it but somebody uh, saved his life there are tiny wee little incidents in life all your life that are very close to death and as someone who's had a head-on in a car let me tell you every single day you are going past a ton of metal coming in the other direction which closing speed is 120 two of you doing 60 and every single one of them would probably kill you and you go past those cars every single day you probably do you probably do a hundred a day a thousand a week you have a thousand opportunities to kill yourself with error and i would just say on that front i have a friend at the golf club who is who is completely freaked out he's a guy who has uh, sat in meetings with presidents and prime ministers he ran a 
German company at CEO director level listed company uh, now plays golf with us and he windsurfs and he was on Beach Road putting his windsurfer in the back of his beautiful uh, red golf GTI and he put his board in went back to the pavement and a car hit his car full bore and he was one second away from killing himself oh my god and he is still completely freaked out by how fickle your life is uh, how close you are to death at all times and he also now has this thing about you they simply have to legislate or jail people on their phones in cars so i've saved a thousand people's lives a week by not being on my phone in a car might sound silly but that's how often you are risking your life these days and cars in phones i think are uh, disastrous so i would say uh, out of all this uh, moralizing mm. is that's one of the biggest dangers we've got and uh, put your put your phone away because um, you'll save lives. Well put your phone away anyway just because we're all too tied to our phones that's a good story. <laughs> I haven't really saved someone's life a couple of people have saved mine. <laughs> one being going to the Gold Coast with my partner and being in one of those big wave pools and me thinking my swimming was a lot stronger than it was and it wasn't and mm. I, the clutch of my partner's hand pulling me back to the light which was good and I also am very clumsy and I don't know how I make it through the day most days. <laughs> I haven't really saved anyone's life, I don't think. I put a couple of people in recovery positions. Does that count as saving someone's life? Mm, it all helps. <laughs> Charlotte was on our roof yesterday, jet washing the domed plastic window on our roof and taking photos. Mm. And um, and she's walking backwards, you know, oh, no. taking a photo on the roof. <laughs> Jemima was saying, she's screaming at her, saying, stop moving. Anyway, phones, going to kill you. Yeah, that would anyway, freak me out. Sorry, <laughs> Emery. Um, mine goes back a few years. I used to do a lot of rock climbing and adventure sports in the Blue Mountains many years ago. And I was canyoning with my climbing buddies in the Blue Mountains in one particular canyon. I was wearing a a backpack with our lunch in it. And I was always quite good at catering lunch. But I got caught under the water with my backpack on. And I was in about seven inches of water and I couldn't get my head above the waterline. It was about two inches too much. And I was basically drowning, being two inches away from the daylight. And luckily, my buddy Andy spotted the fact that I was in trouble and had got myself wedged or this pack had got wedged under a rock and caught there and managed to um, pull me loose before um, before I had drowned, which I guess was um, was kind of nice. So um, yeah, I had one or two hairy escapades with, with rock climbing generally and mountaineering in New Zealand as well. So um, all good fun. But yeah, someone did save my life. Or at least saved me from drowning. I'm sure uh, I would have been revived. My, uh, my brother-in-law had a weird uh, one, which he almost drowned, where they're on a boat on the Murray River and the boat's going down the river and you sort of jump off and go with the current mm. and of course there are lots of trees in the Murray River and one of them caught his yeah. shorts oh, no. and, the, and the river's running quite fast yeah. and so he ended up hooked up on a tree with the water rushing over his head Yeah, and, and they had to um, uh, quickly turn the boat around and speed up and he was unconscious by the time they got him. Yeah, uh, it's um, it's easy to do fortunately with, uh, with, with dark water especially um, cold water when you don't feel things as well yeah. so um, yeah it's easy to do and very dangerous there we go so this was supposed to be an inspiring session (laughs) yeah sorry um (laughs) well it is because we're still here to tell the tales so it's good Well, that brings us to a close, members. We will see you back here tomorrow with, I think, something a bit more uplifting in terms yeah. of a question of the day. Let's hope so. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Cheers, hey. Yeah. Thanks, guys. 